0: Hey, good morning, Victory Church. How are you? You excited to be in the house of the Lord? Feeling good about the day? Yes? I always love it when people talk about it, uh, a two-time All-American coming out of my house. I feel really good about that, you know? Every dad wants to be able to say that, so uh, we just, you know, the pressure in my family is, hey, you finished third this year. There's only two more spots to go up. We're expecting a little bit more next year. Uh, But it was good to do that. But I also feel very weird at the same time that I'm old enough to have a kid getting married. It feels very strange to me. I keep playing this joke on my wife, like, babe, those kids from your first marriage, they're they're growing up quick, you gotta feel bad about that. She just looks at me and goes, you are my first marriage. Shut up, you're getting old, right? We're growing old together. But uh, it is an honor and a privilege to be here. I love my church. I cannot tell you how much I love our pastor, my pastor. Uh, There's just been more times than I can remember now that he has been there for me, with me, beside me, sometimes in front of me, pastoring me strong. Aren't you grateful that we have a pastor that just loves us deeply? Yeah, he's not here, but we can show him love and say thank you to him. Incredible. Incredible. So where are my coffee drinkers in the house this morning? Lift your hand up. How many of you would honestly, in all integrity in the house of God, lying is never good, but particularly we say not in the house of God, would say, I- I'm just a better person if you don't talk to me before I have my first cup of coffee. Come on. Come on. You're just a better human being, right? So when I, when I grew up all through high school, I worked for a concrete contractor, And uh, he would call me, I was kind of his special projects guy and ended up running a crew, and he would call me and say, meet me at the shop in 10 minutes, or meet me at the shop in 15 minutes, and I would get up and drive down, and he would pull up in his Chevy Silverado, I would open the door, and he wouldn't say hello, I wouldn't say hello to him, he'd just hand me a cup of coffee. And we would take off driving somewhere. And about 15 minutes into it, a half a cup down, he looks over and he goes, morning. And I'd go, good morning. And I'm like, you're the greatest man. Can you teach this to whoever I marry? This is what I want to do right here. right?" So in my family, I come from a long line of just deeply committed, addicted coffee drinkers. I don't know any other way to say it. In our house this morning when I got up, was praying, we had one coffee pot set on a timer and just the Keurigs over here fired up for backup just in case something doesn't work, right? I wake up in the morning with my hand kind of with a thumbs up. I'm out, I'm walking. I don't need to turn lights on. I can find the coffee pot on my own with my eyes closed. But you know, uh, you know you're from a coffee kind of addict family when you have certain cups for certain days of the week. Come on, that's a little ridiculous. Can't you agree, right? This is my favorite cup. But, but last Saturday, my wife and I have this ritual on Saturday mornings, right? So I travel a lot. When I'm in town, I make breakfast. I get up first. Uh, I bring her a cup of coffee. And uh, then we sit and we watch home, home shows. Don't judge me. Back off. I've been married 25 years, and it's working, right? I, I love to sit. So this, this Saturday morning, I'm doing my thing. And I go in and I take this to Molly and and I hand her this cup. And she looks at me, she goes, oh, thanks, son, but that's the wrong cup. That's Sunday's cup. And I'm going, okay, that's where I draw the line. This is a little ridiculous. I'm bringing you coffee and it's the wrong day of the week cup. That's the kind of family that, that, that I kind of come from. But fortunately for me, we're not just addicts about coffee. And coffee is not the just natural thing that we do, the only thing. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be raised in in a family of coffee-drinking Christ followers. And in the same way that you don't talk to us before uh, we have our first cup of coffee, it's typically uh, in the Owen household, you'll grab the cup of coffee, and then you'll grab your devotions or your Bible, and they go hand in hand. And because I, I was so fortunate to have two parents who just deeply loved Jesus and modeled for me the power of a legitimate faith in your life. How belief in God is not a concept you carry with you on Sunday mornings, but it is a deep habit and conviction you carry with you throughout the day. Amen? And so this idea that I want to talk to you about this morning is the idea. So the the coffee cup up here uh, said, okay, but coffee first. This idea of my wife would have a honeydew list for me. Okay, but let me get my coffee first. I wake up during the week and I have an agenda and I've got meetings and I look at my calendar. Okay, but coffee first. What if you and I kind of took that mindset and overlaid our faith to it And whatever we came in contact with in our life, we have this habit. It is unconscious. You don't have to think about it. It is who you are every time. And you go, oh, i got a problem? Okay, but faith first. Oh, I've got a problem. H&R Block turned the screen around and we owe three times what we thought we owed and we don't have that much money in our bank account. Okay, we can handle that, but faith first. My daughter's making decisions. My son's making decisions. My spouse is doing things that is wreaking havoc in our family, and you feel this sense of overwhelm. What if you and I just made this lifestyle decision that whatever comes my way, I'm okay because I have my faith first. That's the mindset that I want to talk to you and I about today and the power that faith has in our lives. And so for me... Faith, Hebrews says, is the, 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 uh, just the, the confidence of things we haven't seen and, and this, this conviction of what we're hoping for. is coming. But, but for me today, faith is this deeply rooted trust in Jesus Christ that he is all I will ever need, that he is able to handle whatever I face, and that he will provide for me like no other person on the planet faith is not just an idea because how many of you know you can tell me you love me but it's a whole lot easier when you show me Doesn't that make sense to you like I tell my wife that I love her but I, I, I joke all the time my wife's love language is, are, is acts of service <laughs> I wasted ten years and all sorts of money on roses and all this other crazy stuff when in reality she just wanted me to take the trash out and wash her car I'm like, I'm saving money, and I'm ahead of the game? Come on. Gentlemen, I'm just going to tell you, if your wife hasn't taken the love language test, you need to buy the book on Amazon. Pull your phone out right now. You'll thank me for it the next time I'm up here. Learn what it is. My wife was active of service. And so for her, this whole thing is, hey, you can tell me, or you can waste money on flowers, but what I really like to see is you show me. And it's the same concept with faith, that faith is not something you pack in your Bible and you bring and you sit here and there's a young person, you're, you're in the room today, you're discovering your faith, trying to figure out, do I believe this, my mom says this, I'm not really sure, I have never, working with college students, I love it, we tell them up front, you came here with your mom and dad's faith, we pray you leave here with your own, more deeply and rooted, built on what your, your parents have given you, but you got to own your own faith and faith is not just an idea, faith is an action. It's a lifestyle that you live out. And so why is it so important for us to have faith? Hebrews tells us pretty simply that without faith, it's literally impossible to put a smile on God's face. It is impossible to please God without faith. And so when we take a look at this, faith not only is the direct way in which we we please our Father, that we make him smile. You ever looked up do you remember a time in your life where you were doing something and you looked up and you saw your parent and you saw them smiling at you? Have you ever had that experience? Some of you go, no, I didn't have that growing up. Some of us did. It's one of the most powerful things. And so one of the things about my dad, we were growing up. My dad's a pastor. Uh, I, I was a two-sport athlete. I was four years pole vaulting, three years playing football. I wasn't a wrestler like my son. He got that from my wife's side of the family. Uh, I wish I was. I lament it all the time, Uh, but uh, I was not near what my my son is. But I remembered this, and and I told this to my dad later in life. I remembered seeing my dad only at at one track meet, and he kind of came late and left early because he was working at the church all the time, and we were in a season of life where he couldn't be there. And I didn't hate my dad for that. I just understood, wow, what a tough job. He's providing for me. He loves me. But I remembered looking up that one time and seeing my pops full dressed out in a suit because he was on his way to a meeting, walking down the track and he got to watch me pole vault. And I'm just going to tell you, you would have thought I was in the Olympics, right? <laughs> like I'm breaking records and I'm, I was just hoping to qualify. It really wasn't that good, but my pops was there. And I looked up and I saw my pops and I was like, man, it's all good. Well, I made a determination in my life that I would be there every time my son looked up. Sorry. I prayed for humility once, and this is what I got. Be careful what you ask for. (laughs) Yeah, public displays of emotion. I'm really high on this. It really is great. I made that decision. And so what I realized as a wrestling father... The school needs someone to take photographs. I take pictures. I can get on the mat. I'm less than 15 feet away from my son in the nationals and I'm taking photos. So now after all these years of working together, when he gets up and just, when he All-American the first year, we had this incredible photo, I should have brought it to show it to you, but I didn't want to be that arrogant dad, but you started this, not me. He gets up and just does this pose like I just conquered the world. And he made sure he found me before he did it. And I was like, good job, son. There's something about when you look over at your father and he approves of you and he says, good job. Good job, daughter. Good job, son. That experience is available to you and I. And scripture says when you choose to go faith first... When you choose to trust him at his word, no matter how horrible your circumstance or how great your life might be going, and you say, God, I trust you, it is him looking back at you with that smile on his face going, you're owning this. You're smashing it. Good job, kid. Keep it up. You have got more in front of you. Your father is happy. So this idea for me of wrestling with faith, when I spoke to you in September, I talked about unshakable faith. And it's just like, dude, do you have this deal with faith? Yeah. If you get this wrong, nothing else works. And over my, the course of my life, here's what's happened. I, I've, had, I've had really good, uh, my wife and I were driving home from Tampa on Friday, and we had about 30 minutes in the car together where we were just simply going, babe, I never thought we'd be here. And I never thought God would open that door. And I never thought this would happen. And I looked over at her uh, while we were driving, brief enough not to panic her because I was driving. Uh, some of you got that. Uh, and I just said, you know, I, I don't deserve this. And I didn't earn it. This is 100% God. God's blessing our lives. And she said, exactly. Keep that posture and it'll keep happening. And there's this idea that, that faith, if we can get that right, There's this confidence that God gives you in moments of struggle and in moments of victory that there's this confidence and this calm all at the same time. You don't let the winds go to your head or the losses to your heart because you know it's all in God's hands in the first place. So there's this big idea that I want to unpack for you. They'll put it on the screen. This idea of I don't care what's coming, okay, but faith first. But here it is, maturing as a disciple means that faith becomes my, uh, my first step, not my last one because I fell, uh, becomes my, our first response rather than our last resort. Faith becomes our first response rather than our last resort. You say, okay, Chris, so where, how, do I, how, how does this work? Faith is this deep trust in God. Where do I get that from? Do I pray and ask God for it? Do I partner up with a, a mentor who's older than I am Who's I ask them how to explain it to me? Do I, do, I, do I simply look into God's word and I'd say yes to all of the above? But I, I think Matthew chapter eight shows us a little glimpse into how to cultivate a faith that always is your first reaction. And, and so when I was talking to my wife about, Man, this gratefulness in what God has done, here's what I've realized. I can pick my phone up, and I'm not bragging. Please, if you know me, you know this. I'm not bragging. I'm just, this is my world. I can pick my phone up and call some pretty connected people, uh, some pretty incredible people, and simply go, hey, I'm, I'm struggling with this. Can you coach me up on this? right? I, I've, I never thought that I would be an executive vice president in any organization, much less one of the fastest growing schools in America. I'm simply not that smart. I'm just a simple dude from Carolina. I'm like, what happened? But I find myself with great influence. I find myself surrounded by resources where I could look and, and I can meet a lot of my own needs. I could take care of all of this stuff. And in the course of all of this, here's what I have learned. My problems are becoming more challenging and more complex because the organization I work for is getting that much bigger and I'm growing. But there is one thing that never changes. It hasn't changed yet, and it is the unwavering, irreplaceable priority of faith. The first moment I start to look to my resources, my talent, or my network to replace what I should be looking to God for, I'm in trouble. The first time I'm faced with a situation and I look at my wife and go, oh, I got this, no problem. Uh, we, we, can, we can do it this way. And I don't go to God and say, Lord, all things are in your hand. I trust you to lead us and give us wisdom through this. The moment I stop looking to Christ and believing he is my all in all, I am leading my family in a path of destruction. There are some great leaders in this room, but you cannot outlead God. There's some great money earners in this room, but you cannot outgive and you cannot outearn God. There are some great, talented medical professionals probably in this room, and I'm gonna tell you right now, you can't outheal God. You and I were designed to be in this unbreakable relationship with our Father, where we trust Him and He loves us, and we look and we can say, whatever problem, my God is bigger, my God is greater. I know He has me. So where do you look to find this faith? There are four elements at the end of chapter seven and beginning through chapter eight. Here's what I want to do. I want us to look at Scripture, and here's here's the next step in my thought process. Faith is built through a deep understanding of God's authority. I'm going to say this to you. If you're looking for a way, you're like Chris. How do I grow in my faith? Whether you're in high school, middle school, you're retired, or you're a businessman, you're newly married, you've been married for 50 years, I'm going to tell you the same thing. You can develop your faith by grasping and reminding yourself and going back to the authority of God in Jesus Christ. So let's take a look. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. In a minute, we're going to focus on one passage out of this. But I'm going to kind of do this 50,000-foot view, and I want you to see what the author of Matthew I want you to see what he put down and he wanted the readers to grasp out of this. Here's the context. Here's where we find Jesus in the end of Matthew chapter 7. He just finished the Sermon on the Mount. He is absolutely, unequivocally exhausted. He's done, he's toast, he needs a break. If you read the context, the crowds wherever he goes, they're pressing in on him. He's giving of himself. Have you ever gotten that that moment where you've worked so hard? We say you worked your fingers to the bone, and all you need is just a moment where no one is around you and you just need a nap. Can you say amen? And I just spoke prophetically about some of your lives in the next two hours. (laughs) He was exhausted. And so what we find at the end, there are four things that the author put in sequence for you and I to note about the authority of Jesus Christ. And I believe it's in that authority that our faith is built and we can find a solid place to put our foot and we cannot be moved because we're standing on him and not on what we built. So here's the first one. Verse 28 chapter 7 says this, when Jesus finished these teachings, he just finished the Sermon on the Mount. The crowds were astonished at his teaching, for, the, for, uh, for he was teaching them as one who had what? Authority, and not as their scribes. In Jesus' very teaching, the people who were listening go, I've heard preachers in my day, but I have never heard anybody like you. I've heard scribes in my day, but I've never experienced anybody like you. What was it? Well, you and I know now, he was the word made flesh, come to dwell among us. He wasn't teaching something he knew about, he was teaching who he was. He was revealing the very character of God, and he says, I have come that you might have life, and you would have it abundantly. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and this is how you should live, because this is who I am. He wasn't teaching us what he knew, he was teaching them who he was. When you come to scripture, there's a confidence that you and I can have that we're not reading something that someone else might know. We're reading the revelation of who God is. The Bible says that it is sharper than any two-edged sword, that this is the way in which our soul grows. If I could ask them, can we turn the monitors down just a, just a tad? I'm a, probably a little more excited than I was in first service, I guess. Right? So the first thing they noticed was his teaching. The second thing was this. At the beginning of chapter 8, we find Jesus interacts with the outcast of his day, the leper. And he also has an interaction with a centurion who comes and says, i got a servant. And I know you can make him whole. This is what I want. And so what we see is Jesus cleanses the leper and he goes, hey, don't go tell anybody. You keep this a secret between us. Just go. He looks at the centurion and he says, go, it'll be as as you have believed it would be. Just go. You say, well, Chris, what is this? It is our Lord showing us he has the authority over every disease and he doesn't even have to be in the room. He can speak it and it's done. Hey, church, check this out. That's the same God who was tired and weary and came to give his life for you and I is the same God who meets us in this place today and says no matter what you're going through, I'm greater than your illness, I'm greater than your disease, I'm greater than the troubles that you face. And listen to me, I don't know why some people get healed immediately and some wait, and it happens when they pass from this life to the next. But This is what I believe in my mind. There are multiple ways in which we experience healing. One is which when the Lord takes us home, And the Bible says very clearly, there's no suffering, there's no pain, there's no illness. You are perfect in the presence of Jesus. Second way is through medical professionals. Man, I believe every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. Amen? Amen? Thus the wisdom of doctors, even if they don't know the Lord, I believe all of that is a process of God being able to heal us. And then the third way for me is when the Lord says, I'm going to heal you now. You're healed instantly. And I've seen those, right? So this idea that you and I we want to build our faith, start looking at scripture and going, God, I stand on the, the reality that you are the, the authority over every disease that we face. You are greater than any challenge that we have. About two years ago, I got off a plane in Atlanta, Georgia. Any flyers in here? You fly a bunch, you travel a ton. Yes, yeah, my wife hates to travel with me because I travel so much everything's a race now, right? It's like, how fast can I get through TSA? <laughs> she didn't have pre-check, I'm like, oh, sorry, babe, I'll see you on the other side, right? Not a good husband, not recommending that to you, just a little glitch that I have. But I travel all the time. And I remember getting off the plane and walking, I think it was Concourse B or C. Uh, I, I, I've actually run through Atlanta more than I've walked. I don't know, if you travel, you understand what that is, right? But I was actually walking and I was with a coworker and he said, uh, hey, wh- when did you start limping? What's wrong with your leg? And I said, uh, I don't know, but it's, it's hurting me. And I didn't realize I was limping that much. It was noticeable. He goes, yeah. Well, later that week, I wake up, and my leg's two to three times the size of my right leg. It's bright red and hot to the touch. And I'm going, uh, if you know me, I don't like aspirin, much less doctors. If you're a doctor, please don't take this the wrong way. I just don't like you. Uh, you scare the life out of me, even though you're good people. And nurses, the same thing, right? Right? For me to go to the urgent care, I'm thinking Jesus is calling me home. We're going. And I want to show my family I did everything I could to, you know, be a good guy and cash the insurance. Things are going to go well. And I go and they tell me I'm the proud owner of of a blood clot from my ankle all the way up to my waist. And that has been there for a while and it's clotting more. And I was like, hey, go big or go home. This is what we do, right? My dad had two of these. A couple of them broke off through his lungs and he survived. So can you imagine the thought process I'm having here? This is my life, right? And so we go through a round of this, and I'm, I'm healed through medicine. And I go and talk to the doctor, and they said, yeah, you know, they probably would just keep you on blood thinners the rest of your life. I'm like, nope. They said, what? I said, nope. I said, you practice medicine, which means you're not always right. I would like to get off of this. So can we, and she goes, well, actually, there's a way. We can monitor you. We can get you off of it. And praise God, eight months. Uh, I, I was off of it, free, right? Good to go, no, no blood thinners, the Lord answered my prayers. And then two weeks ago, Saturday, I woke up on my way to uh, uh, a clay shoot for, for Grady Judd, had my team there, and uh, uh, found myself with tears running down my face trying to get to my truck. Left leg, again, big, felt like some little gremlin was stabbing me in the calf. And I'm like half angry and I'm half scared, but I'm so stubborn, I still go to the clay shoot. You can't fix stupid. I'm so sorry, right? So I'm like, I got to get my boys taken care of. So I get there. These are my, these are my guys. dude. you know what I'm talking about, right? Now. You understand that. You do not want to cry in front of your friends, like ever, right? The birth of your son, maybe, okay, or your daughter. I, I got grown men with guns in their hands. And I'm like, hey, I've, I've got it. And I've got tears coming down. And my buddy goes, get out of here. What is wrong with you? And so I get back and I go to the doctor and I go to the urgent care again. And now I don't wonder. I go and tell them what's wrong with me, right? And while I'm sitting in the waiting room, the idea for this message and and faith first began to emerge. I get a text from our pastor. And Pastor Blackburn goes, hey, just want to say you did a great job at the forum this week. I love you so much, whatever, something like that. And I said, hey, thanks Pray for me. I'm at urgent care, blood clot. And I love our pastor because he's not a man of many words. You know what I'm saying? I get a simple te- text back. Praying now. See, when, when faith first happens, right, you don't cry all the time, trust me. Just me. But when, when you live a life of faith first, there's no delay. Oh, crisis means Prayer. Crisis means we stand on the one who has authority on all of it. Crisis, oh, I got you. You may be afraid right now that you're going to end up like your father and you're going to have all these problems, but I'm going to stand beside you as your pastor, and I'm going to speak faith in you because this is who we are. Church, we serve a God who's bigger than any problem that we could face. It's in his teachings. It's in his authority over illness. The third thing that we see is chapter 8, verse 23. He's on the boat. And he's finally catching a nap. Anybody ever wake your dad up when he was taking a nap? How'd that end for you? (laughs) Yeah? Yeah, that's what I thought. Right? So he's in the middle of nap time. He's exhausted. A storm comes up. You know the story. His disciples are freaking out. And they're going, wake him up. Lord, why are you sleeping? We're about to perish. We're about to go down. And the end of the story, and this is where we're going to come back in a minute, kind of what does it mean to you and I, but this story, he stands up and he goes, be still. And they look at each other and go, who is this guy? Even the wind and the waves, they listen to him. The Lord has absolute authority over nature. So what does that mean to you and I? Whatever tragedy you and I may experience in this world, he has authority over it. There is nothing that happens here that is outside of his control, that's out beyond his power, where he goes, no, I can't help you with that one. Check me, check me back later. No, he has the authority over nature. Disasters. You say, well, why does he let that happen? Man, this is a longer story, the effects of sin, the free will of mankind, and God's plan for us. It isn't that he doesn't care for us, right? I don't know why all bad things happen to good people, but I know this, he has ultimate authority over all of it. And there will come a time where he goes, enough, I'm done. The fourth thing that we're noted, and I told you, your faith will be built when you engage and understand the authority that God has. The fourth one was when he got off the boat, he ran into demonic guys, or uh, ran into uh, people filled with demonic spirits, and he cast them out. So now we see that he has authority over disease and sickness. He has authority over nature and he has authority over uh, demonic spirits and forces. The Bible says we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with power and principalities, right? So our problem is not with flesh and blood and man. Our problem is the ruler of this age and the evilness that's in this world. And the Bible says he has ultimate authority and dominion over the darkness of this world. He has not lost control. He has not lost you. He has not misplaced you. You are exactly where he wants you to be. And he wants you to trust him so he can lean in and go, you got this, kid. You got it. You're making me so happy. Trust me. It's going to hurt for a while, but I'm going to grow you through this. man. the power of the gospel is when you and I realize we don't have to take control. He is in control. We have to trust him deeply and thoroughly enough to go, God, I'll take another step. I'll take another step. This past fall, and you may have heard if you've heard me speak somewhere else, I've talked about this incident. I had a friend much like what we we heard today. She lost her husband unexpectedly. It was craziness. And she's like a member of my family. We work together and, and just love her so, so, so much. And she's one of the strongest people I've ever, I've ever met. But I knew, right, watching her, lost her husband of all of these years, we're going to have a breakdown. And I, I kept waiting for this moment of despair and this, this moment of brokenness, and it never happened. And I would look at her and I'd say, hey, how you, how you holding up, buddy? okay? And she'd look at me and she'd go, I can't explain it outside of God. But I have this peace through this entire process. She goes, my heart's broken. My partner's gone. I get it. But I, I should be worse than I am. But it's God who's giving me the strength to get through this. Chris, it's real. If I didn't have my faith, I don't know what I would do. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. I wanted to minister to her, she ended up ministering to me. This idea of faith grows when we recognize God's authority. There's nothing you're facing that God can't handle. So here's the question, as maturing disciples of Christ, faith should be our first response and not our last resort. How else do I grow that? Hebrews goes on to say this, It's very practical. It says, "Hearing comes, or our faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what?" So, a key ingredient of growing in our faith is leaning into God's word. It's not just having a, an occasional habit, but just much like my family gets up and our fingers are already crooked looking for the coffee cup. As believers, our hands should always be shaped around God's word, right? I kid, I kid my family all the time, like, like we're gonna be okay if we got a coffee cup in one hand and a Bible in the other, we're gonna be all right, life is gonna be good. I'm assured I'm a human, because I have coffee, and I'm, I'm assured that I am who I'm supposed to be when I've got God's word speaking into me. But faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Here's the, here's the, here's the deal about, this, about hearing God's word. It's not enough for you to passively receive it at church. The Bible talks about hearing over 1,400 times. 1,400 times in Scripture it mentions listening and hearing. There are eight different nuances to the word. And when he talks about here and the author of Hebrews is not about, hey, when you listen at church, uh, your faith is going to grow. There is an element that that's true. But when I studied this out of Mark chapter 4 and began to understand it's the only time Jesus ever said, if you don't get this, you won't get, it. You won't get anything else I say, he was talking about listening and hearing him. And there are three ways, three movements to listen to God's word. One, I'm aware that he's speaking to me. Do you actually believe that God's word has something for you today? That God's word has something to speak? Is your heart open? Is, are your hands out and you're saying, God, speak to me today. Change the way I think. The next movement of hearing that makes sense is called discernment or understanding. God, what does this mean to me? As a junior in high school and an athlete. There's a father who has a son who's about to get married. And I'm telling them, hurry up. I need grandkids quick. Let's go. They're going to call me Poppy. My kids look at me like, Dad, you're, you're, you're not Latin. Why would you, well, well, Poppy, you can't do that. I said, stop being racist. <laughs> My grandkids, they call me what they want. I want to be called Poppy. You have your grandkids, they call you whatever you want to call them. I'm not going to give them an option. I mean, can you hear it right now? Dad won't let me do it. Go see Poppy. Poppy will. Yes. Yes, Poppy says yes to everything, right? So in this season of my life, I'm still looking at God's word going, what do you got for me today? How how does this change me? I was literally watching uh, Tampa Bay get beat down last night. My heart was broken. The capitals beat up on us. And with my friends, we were having this conversation. I was talking to them. I said, you know what? I said, I'm still not where I want to be. I'm so far away from what God's planned for me. I'm just trying to stay humble and get things right and let God speak to me in his word so that he can grow me and shape me because I'm not anywhere near what I think I can be. And I know I'm not what he fully wants me to be, but I'm in process. When you have that mentality and you hear God's word, here's what you say. What does that mean to me? Now what? So I'm aware that he's speaking. I'm discerning what it means for me. Here's the big one. You can do all of that and still not hear God. Scripture says the only way that you can truly say, I heard you and I listened, was when you obey what he says. Obedience closes the loop on hearing. And you begin to go, God, I've heard you. I understand it. And now I'm going to live differently So that's my challenge to you and I today. Because I know what I'm going to say on Saturday morning to my wife. Okay, but coffee first. And I also know what I want to say to my Savior every day, in and out. Okay, faith first. This is what I'm going to do. This is who I'm going to be. But can I just confess something to you? I have a tendency to worry. I know no one else in here has that. It's just me, right? It's just me, right? There's certain times in my life, I'm a glass half full guy, I'm full of optimism. And then when one thing goes wrong, I'm that guy. I'm in the kitchen. I have relationship problems with some friends. I'm done with them. I'm done. We're just done. My wife's going, you've known them for 20 years and you're done? Because they didn't call you? Yeah, I'm just done. I don't have time for this. This is just, they're like everybody else. And my wife goes, you need to Breathe. I don't know who you are right now, but bring my husband back, right? And I have these moments. Why? Because I went through two church splits by the time I was 16 years old. If you let fear run your life, you will never run towards people. You will run away from people, right? And this is what I hate about this. And and the guys in this room who have godly wives, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. I'll come home from work sometimes, and she'll go, "How's your day? I'm like, "I, I can't fix it. I can't figure this out. I don't know what we're gonna do. I I don't even know. And I'll start down this list and she'll go, well, can I ask you something, babe? Have you prayed? I'm like, my pride kicks up. Woman, I have a doctorate in spiritual formation. You don't think I know how to pray? And she'll go, babe, I I didn't ask you if you knew how to pray. I asked you if you prayed. I take a couple more steps. No. And where I would jump in and go, ha, see? Question me as your wife. She looks and goes, well, babe, you might want to think about doing that. Like, Do you have to be so calm when you beat me up? You have to be so sweet about your discipline in my life. Right? And so today, here's my challenge to you and I. What if you and I said I'm all in, faith first? Yep, I'm a warrior. Yep, that's me. Yep, I spin out of control sometimes, lose my mind. But I actually want to grow in my faith. Man, what would it look like if Victory Church was filled with people, men and women from all walks of life, who said, my first reaction to everything, good, bad, or ugly, is faith. I'm going to Jesus. I I would actually think what it would sound like is a lot of people praying a lot. Man, the first step of faith that we can see in action is prayer. When we look over... And we say, God, would you help me through this? Would you help me with this? I would see victory becoming even more, more committed to prayer. Not necessarily a prayer meeting, but I'm talking about at work. I'm talking about reaching across the aisle. I'm talking about being outside of Publix and you run into your friend and she's a mess and you go, look, I don't have all the answers for you, but God does and he's bigger than your problem. Come here, give me your hand, girl. I wanna pray with you right now. And you going to pray right there, normal, not weird. Look him in the eye. God, be with my friend. I'm gonna be praying for you. I feel like the church gets energized when our faith level goes up. So today... As the band comes, I want to take just a, a couple of minutes. And I have a soft spot for people that are in tough times. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to get sucker punched. Things happen to you out of the blue that you never saw coming. And you feel like life is over. And yet here I stand. Telling you to trust God because he's bigger than that. You might be in the room today and you'd say, Chris, all I hear is this, Faith, you don't know what I'm going through. You're right, I don't. Only the person in the midst of the storm can talk about the storm. But I know the guy who when you wake him up in the bottom of the boat, he stands up and he goes, peace be still. And the troubles of life can calm in an instant. But even if they don't, He will walk with you through the fire to the other side. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. From young to old, what if you and I went faith first and we said, God, you can have all that I am. Sir, what if you stopped coming to church with your wife and you started driving your wife to church? leading strong in your family your kids roll out they see you with the bible at the table they start to notice something different about dad Man, i never wanted to be a roadblock from my kid finding jesus i wanted to be the bridge he's this way kid like my dad did hey if you're in this room today and you're far away from jesus i'm starting with you if you don't have a relationship with god Beg, plead, prod, whatever it is, I challenge you, taste and see that that Jesus is real, man. He loves you. And it goes something like this. You you become aware that he was the only, only son of God who came to earth and gave his life and died on a cross to pay for your sins. But death couldn't hold him because he's the ultimate authority. Three days later, he rose from the grave. And he went to be with the Father. And the Bible says he's preparing a place for you and I right now. He's constantly praying for us to the Father, making intercession, calling out your name, going, God, help them. God, would you give them peace? God, would you make their way? He's waiting for you. If you're in this place and you're far away from God and you say, man, Chris, I want that kind of faith in my life. I want you to stand where you are right now. I want you to stand where you are right now. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 (laughs) The Bible says the heaven's going nutso right now. That all heaven rejoices when just one person comes to faith. And you look across this room and there are people from side to side who have said, man, I want that kind of faith. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray a prayer. And every person in this room is going to pray it with you. I can't tell you what to do. I can just tell you what I would do and what I have done. I have prayed the prayer you're about to pray. When it's done or at some point I'm going to call some other people up to to pray, I would challenge you and encourage you. Come down front and tell your decision to one of the people. Let them pray with you and let them get your name. Why? Because they're going to help you. You can't do this alone. The enemy just wants you to stand because I moved you or God moved you in this moment. But what the, but, but God wants you to do is every day grow a little deeper and get a little closer to God. So we're going to start with that prayer and I'm going to challenge you in a minute to come down. We won't, we won't circle you out but come down and find someone and say, hey, I gave my heart to Jesus today. What do I do next? Let's get this thing going. So church, would you stand to your feet and would you pray with me with these brave people that stood up today? Dear Father, Say it pray it louder with me. Dear Father, Dear Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for giving your son. Thank you for giving
1: your son that, that, I, could
0: that I could have life. And I could have a full life. And I could have a life. Today, Today I, want that faith. I want that faith. I want to believe in you. I want to believe in you with all of my heart. With all of my soul and all of my, strength. Now, of my strength. You died for me. Now I want to live for you. Would you come into my life? Teach me, me. guide me, me. be my father.
1: father.
0: In In your name I pray, amen. If you're in the room today, I'm gonna ask my friends that are always ready to pray with you down here, and I know we're coming to an end, I'm supposed to land the plane 21 seconds ago. If you're here and you need prayer for faith, you say, Chris, I'm struggling, man. I got some stuff that's happening right now and I just can't see a way through. I need someone to pray that I would have more faith. If that's you, can I just tell you, there's no shame in that. There's no guilt in that. There's only wisdom. The Bible says, when you lack for anything, all you have to do is come and ask. And if you're sick, have the Have the elders of the church pray a prayer of faith over you. If you're here today and you need your faith to grow, you say, I'm going through something right now. I want people to pray with me. Would you step out from where you are and come down and let them pray with you? The band's gonna sing over as you come and I promise I'll dismiss everybody else in the next 120 seconds. But I wanna give a moment, if you're here and you need somebody to step alongside of you and go, man, I just gave my heart to Jesus or I need you to pray with me because I'm struggling through some stuff, just come on down from where you are and let us pray with you. Would you sing?
1: What a powerful name! It is. What a powerful name! It is. The name of Jesus
0: Christ, my King. Come on, church!
1: What a powerful name! It is. Nothing can stand the peace. What a powerful name it is! The
0: name of. Would you lift your voice and sing it with them? Let's sing over them today. Come on.
1: What a powerful name it is the name. The name of Jesus Christ. My King. What a powerful name it is. We declare nothing. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The
0: name of Jesus. Father, we pray over our family that's down here today. God, with a smile on our face and joy in our heart that some came to know you as their Lord and Savior today and others came back around to ask to trust you more deeply than they ever have before. God, we celebrate, Lord. We celebrate, Lord, our faith that's alive, Lord, that's just that's, that's, that's growing inside of us. God, we thank you for giving us that faith. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask, Lord, that you would direct their steps, that you would guide them, Lord, that you ground them in our community, that they would find what they're looking for in you, God, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. And I'd like to do something kind of as our benediction, if it's okay. As we're praying over people and people are still receiving that, could we sing this one more time? But kind of with that joy you had earlier, that declaration that nothing ever can stand in the way of what Jesus wants to do. Would you join with me as they lead us in this one time and, and it'll be our benediction as people are praying, but can we sing over them with a passion and a vigor to let them know that they've already won, amen? Let's do it, come on.
1: The death could not hold you. Come on. The veil before you. It's the host of sin Let's sing that again, death could not hold you, come on Death could not hold
0: church go and have the best week of your life walk out of this place today knowing you've already won because he's got you he's going before you have a blessed day victory go walk in that we love you thank you for being here and thank you for being a part of our community